Nice to see you all this morning. We're the dedicated ones. We get an A plus next to our names for being at church this morning on a long weekend and when the rugby's been playing. I was thinking though during worship, you know, isn't it funny how we we sometimes come to church and without even realizing it, we just get into the formula of church or we get into the way of doing church. Sometimes it's actually nice to do things a little bit differently and I think God just smiles upon us Um, because church is just about coming together, connecting, glorifying him, worshiping him, and that's what we're doing this morning. So it doesn't necessarily matter what it looks like, um, but it's about the heart. It's about the heart. All right, this morning's message is uh, called The Blueprint to Living This Life Well. I may be able to sell it for millions if I get it right, eh? (laughs) The Blueprint to Living This Life Well. So... The past few years have been exceptionally interesting. You know, we've had pandemic. <laughs> we've had more extreme views coming to light. Um, more people just within the world, within our nation, within churches, we've had more extreme views, people going to the polar ends um, socially and politically. We've had disunity. We've had div- division. We've had wars, threats of wars, and, and countries that have tensions between them, high tensions. We've had leaders fall and countries and churches shaken. We've had more extreme climate events. The reality is we are living in a broken world that is increasingly changing, that is increasingly volatile and uncertain. And the question I keep asking myself is, how do we live this life well? You know, we can feel um, miles away from where stuff is happening, but there is also stuff happening in our backyard. There's also stuff happening in our country. How, as Christians, do we live this life well? You know, when we look around our world, we see calamity and we see heartache and we see tragedy. And I'm not one for burying my head in the sand. I need to know what's going on. I like to know what's going on. I want to know what's happening in our world around us. I guard my heart and I protect my heart from what I see visually. We don't often have the news playing in our house, but I I will read a lot. I will read what's happening because ignorance isn't going to change the fact that there is stuff happening in our world. Ignorance just keeps me, would keep me um, tunnel visioned, but I need to know what's happening. I need to be stirred. I need to be moved. I need to be shaken. And I need my heart. We need our hearts to be broken for what breaks God's heart. And so that means having an awareness of what's happening in our world. Um, Going to the Sound of Freedom movie, I found that really challenging, but I went twice. I took a friend as well. And it's challenging. It's hard to see those things happening. But we need to know what's happening. We need to have that awareness you know, as much as I hate war and it's horrific to see what's happening in Israel and Gaza at the moment, we need to know. We need to know what's happening in our world. And um, ignorance disconnects us, but we need to be connected to what is happening. When war broke out in Israel, you, like me, probably knew of people that may have just been in the area or were in the area at the time. I was messaging a friend whose daughter um, was in Egypt, but was meant to go into Israel and is now in Jordan. Um, It connects us when we know people who are there, who are living through things. And and even reading um, articles, you know, I I read this article about a mother's group in um, one of the kibbutz that were attacked by Hamas. 
And that connected me because I too have had WhatsApp um, messages and chats that between mothers groups. And, and this mothers group, probably like my mothers group, would message out normally saying, you know, what do you do if your baby hasn't pooped for a week or, you know, things like that. But now all of a sudden, this mother's group are in their safe houses hiding and they're messaging out each other, saying what they're seeing and saying what they're hearing and going, we're hearing guns, we're hearing bombs, we're hearing voices in Aramaic yelling out. Um, This one woman was messaging out her group saying, my brother went out um, hours ago and he hasn't returned. You know, it connects us when we can relate to people. And we need to be, as I said, we need to be stirred and we need to be moved. The thing is, though, whilst we need to be connected and we need to have that awareness, we also need to make sure that we don't get caught up in it. We can easily get caught up in the way of the world, the fighting and the arguing and the, the winners and the losers of politics. And we can, we can get... Uh, what's the word, like in that whirlwind of or that whirlpool, we can get caught up in that. And it's great to be passionate. You know, I personally love politics. <laughs> I've always loved politics right from when I was a young girl and my perfect election night the last weekend was cozying up on the couch and watching it all happen. We were flicking between channels. I had my phone going, reading all the commentary as it was coming in. I love politics. Uh, but like anything... It can take us too far at times, and if it's to the point where it um, is to the detriment of friendships and relationships, you know, obviously that's too far. Perhaps uh, we can be passionate about what's happening in our world around us, and maybe we're into end-time eschatology and all of that, but whilst it's great to be passionate, it can take us too far, and it can lead us away from the main thing. And we must make sure that we are not creating our own narrative based on what we're seeing. We're not creating our own narrative based on what we're seeing, and, but we keep the narrative of that of Jesus. We keep the narrative that is Jesus, that through awareness and through understanding and through discernment and through wisdom, we still have the narrative being that of Jesus. So the question that we go back to originally is how do we live in and through these times well? Uh, And as I was pondering this question, I just felt Jesus hasn't changed his mind. He has not changed his mind from how he lived here on earth, from how he taught, from the way he interacted with his, his disciples and followers. He has not changed his mind. So we're going to go to Matthew 5 and see what he has to say. Uh, and this is when Jesus was, uh, he saw the crowds. Um, it's, it's before the Sermon on the Mount. He went up onto the mountainside with his disciples and sat down and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So the Sermon on the Mount is considered uh, one of the most important teachings of Jesus because it does provide that blueprint for us as Christians, as followers of Christ, to live our lives well. And it emphasizes humility, compassion, forgiveness, kindness, and love and care for others. So what we've just read is the Beatitudes, uh, the blessings, and it is, like I said, the prelude to the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what I mean about making sure that our narrative is that of Jesus, because whatever, um, everything that Jesus said or did is an announcement or an enactment of the kingdom of heaven. Too easily, we get caught up in the earthly kingdoms that we are surrounded with, the, the um, political kingdom or the social agendas or the kingdom of the social areas or the earthly kingdom, um, empire kingdoms. And I, I just want to add, like, you know, sometimes it's really easy to say, yeah, I know people who are like that. But I think we're actually all guilty of getting caught up in earthly kingdoms. Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom of God. And he's teaching us the principles of living this life well with a kingdom view. Therefore, these are the things that we need to lean into. These are the things that we need to value. So the Beatitudes or the blessings, they're not commands to be a certain way, but it was an announcement to those who were gathered there, who were willing to open their hearts, who were willing to be challenged, who were willing to receive uh, the kingdom of God. Because whilst there were those people there that were ready to do that, we must remember that there were also people in that time that were actually happy with the status quo. They were happy with how life was going on. They, were happy. they didn't see a need to repent. They didn't see a need to change. Because that word repent, um, sometimes we, we put a negative connotation to that word, but that word repent actually means to change your mind. To repent is to change your mind. To, uh, it's an opportunity to rethink the way that we are doing things. It's not negative. And I believe Jesus is asking us to repent again. I believe he's asking us to rethink the way that we live this life. He's asking us to rethink the way that we do things, to be willing to change our mind with what he is saying. Because to be honest, dare I say, there is much Christianity out there that is actually the opposite of the Beatitudes. That is highly vocal, that is highly public, that is highly political. So to live well in these times, to live with a kingdom mindset, what do we do? Well, today we're going to unpack what these Beatitudes mean one by one. And I'll try and get through them relatively quickly. Starting with number one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit or perhaps feeling poor spiritually, because the kingdom of God is for everybody. The kingdom of God is well suited to the ordinary person. There is no such thing as being spiritually elite. 
you know, there's no A class, B class, C class, spiritual person. Blessed are those poor in spirit or who feel poor spiritually because the kingdom of God is well suited to the ordinary person. There is no room for pride in being spiritual. I loved um, at conference at Increase sitting under the teaching of Vicki Simpson because she didn't put herself on a pedestal. She didn't make out that she was more spiritual than the person, you know, than me or than you. She recognized her gifting and she operates in that without having the spiritual elitism. When Jesus selected his disciples, he chose fishermen. (laughs) They weren't religious. They weren't spiritual. He didn't choose the religious priests. He chose fishermen who were rough and rugged. He chose a tax collector. They weren't spiritual. To live this life well, we need to be in relationship with Jesus, and we need to be real and authentic. Number two, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn and who grieve and who feel down and out and maybe feeling depressed. Blessed are they as they allow time and space to heal and to encounter comfort from one another. You know, we have this thing, don't we, that uh, because we're serving God and that we know God is altogether good, that we feel that we need to be altogether good and that we need to have it together and life is great and I'm on the top of my game and I'm doing well. But when we encounter loss of any kind, there's always grief attached to it. When we go through dark times in life, which we all do, there is grief and there is sorrow and there is uh, mourning attached to this. And Jesus is saying is that we need to attend to it. We need to attend to it. We need to allow time and space to heal. He's saying that we're not to become numb to that feeling of pain. We're not to um, overlook it or try and speak something out in the hope that it will go away, but we're to attend to it. We need to grieve and we need to carry sorrow together. We need to mourn with those who mourn. Uh, to, To experience real joy, we actually need to experience real pain. This church here in C3 North, we need to be real with each other. You know, we we don't need to come to church to pretend. We need to be real and we need to carry each other. This needs to be a place where we can identify sorrow and grief and heartache and we come around. And I think this is what we do well, actually. We come around each other and we love on each other and we support each other in those times of mourning and grief. You know, last year when Nate was really unwell, there were many Sundays where I was just in a pool of tears. (laughs) And that's okay. That's okay not to have it all together. That's okay to be grieving and to mourn and to have loss and, and confusion. Here we are family and together we mourn together and we comfort each other and we celebrate together. Three, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the gentle and trusting and those who are not clutching and grasping, trying to attain. You know, we live in an earthly kingdom that values might, 
over meekness. We see meekness as pitiful, uh, as weak, as someone who's a doormat. We value might and victory and success, and we're always trying to win. We're always trying to be better. We're always trying to get the next thing or get the next promotion or seek the acclaims of others. But life isn't a game. Life is a gift. It's a gift, and our purpose here on earth is to learn to love God and love others well. And that's why I'm so excited for our theme next month. Love God and love others. That's our mission. That's our, that's our purpose. That's our everything. My mum, um, my love my mum. I love and adore my mum. Um, and she stood by my dad for over 45 years now in ministry. She's not the up the front person. She would never be holding a mic. She uh, is always in the background. She's not loud at all. She hates the limelight. And that's where at times she struggled with dad's ministry because naturally she gets towed along. But she would much rather be in the kitchen. Um, I remember growing up in church, we never sat in the front row as, a, as kids, as a family. We would always be in the middle to the back. She just didn't, she didn't like that. Um, and dad would often come and sit with us, and then he'd come back up to the front to preach. She's not a loud person. She's the listener. She's quiet. Um, but yet her faith is so incredibly deep and raw and authentic. And she would be called meek. She would. She'd be called meek, but she is not weak. She's actually one of the strongest people I know. If you've been in ministry, you know that to endure it for over 45 years, you've got to be tough and you've got to be brave. And she's weathered many storms, but she is so compassionate and kind and loving and gentle. And I know that Jesus smiles upon her life. That's what I want to be like when I grow up. Blessed, number four, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, those who ache for this world to be right, to become right. See, righteousness here is not talking about, um, again, being righteous spiritually, but it's for those who have this deep satisfaction and hungering for what Jesus is bringing into the world, who desire to see things that are not right set right. Blessed are those that who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for things to be set right, for they will be filled. International needs, which Sean runs, and charities alike, are birthed out of this very conviction They're passionate to see what's going on in this world, but they're passionate to make a difference and to set things right that are not right, to take children and women out of slavery, to empower women in countries where women are looked down upon, to provide fresh water and medical intervention in countries where there is just so much poverty, Uh, to work in the anti-trafficking world to, to rescue victims and to restore victims and also to hold those responsible accountable. They're trying to set things right in a world that a lot of things are not right. And again, I say we need to be stirred and shaken and moved by all this stuff that is happening so that we too hunger and thirst to see things put right. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. 
Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who give mercy, for they will get it back. It's as simple as that. Again, we live in a world where we say things like, you know, do the, uh, what is it? Do the, do the crime, do the time. Um, or we say, oh, well, they got what they deserved. Good on them. They got what they deserved. We have this judgment mindset that plays in the back of our head. I'm talking to myself as much as any other person. We are quick to become the judge. And that's not our job. Because we will all stand in front of Jesus Christ and have our day of judgment. And I don't want to be there having lived a life of judging others to then be judged myself. How we are to others is what we will then receive. We are all sinners. We, are all, we all fall short. And no sin is greater than another. Therefore, we need to lean into mercy. And we are a kind person people out here in Omokaroa. We really are. I, I, Sean and I get blown away by the kindness of our people. We are a kind people. Let's keep being kind. Let's keep showing mercy and grace and love to each other. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those who have a pure heart or a clean window to perceive God. Those who don't want to miss out on God, those who don't want to miss out on where he is and what he's doing and uh, where he's moving and how he can use us in that, blessed are they, for they will see God. The Pharisees, they were good people, but they were good people who missed Christ. And their hearts became clouded with what they thought Jesus should be uh, they, their hearts became clouded with what, they, what Jesus should look like and how he should arrive according to them. And we don't want to become a people that cloud our hearts so much that we stop seeing Jesus in our world. We don't want to have things like cynicism or perfectionism or being judgmental. That will cloud us from seeing Jesus in our world, where he is moving, what he is doing. We want to get in line with what he is doing and move with him in that flow of him. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers or the bridge builders. We can all live in peace because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. But peace is, peace is not a destination. It's a way of living. It's a way of being. It's a way of interacting. It's a way of life. You know, we, we look at what's happening in Israel and Gaza, and no one wins. No one wins in war. There are no winners. And we need to be careful that we do not fall into the trap of speaking the language of the world um, or speaking the language of politics or speaking the language of the media but we also need to be careful that we don't use the language of some churches that speak hate or that speak fighting or um, that, speak, that speak words that fit their lens of Jesus. We must use the language of God 
We must use the language of Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I want to be a child of God. I want to be a bridge builder. I want to be someone who lives in peace and who brings peace and lives a life of peace. Uh, in a moment, I'm actually going to get us all to stand and I'm, we're going to say those all together. We're going to say the Beatitudes together in unity. But as we do and as we reflect on them now and over the next week and, and whenever you come across them again, can I just encourage you and um, challenge you, challenge myself to really live out the true meaning of them? Because it's easy to read them and again put our own lens on them, but let's Ask Jesus for what he's saying through these blessings. How do we live this life well? In a world where sometimes we feel that it's too confusing, too confronting, too uncertain, too volatile, how do we live this life well according to what Jesus taught, how he showed us, how he instructed us? Because when we live our life well, we bring glory to God. And as that um, song we sung let the whole earth be filled with his glory. That's our hope. That's our purpose is to fill this whole world with his glory. And it is hard and it is difficult, but that is our purpose. As we look around and we see what's happening, the good and the bad and the ugly and the evil and everything in between, Father, our prayer is that the whole earth will be filled with your glory that you, you reign, you sit, you are exalted on the throne and we get to be a part of bringing the kingdom of heaven closer to earth. Lord, help us as we reflect on those blessings, as we reflect on the Beatitudes that, Lord, we would live this life well because of how you have instructed, because of how you have taught us, because, how, because of how you have shown us that we would live this life well and in doing so that you would be able to use us to bring the kingdom of heaven closer to earth, that we live, that we operate, that our mindset, that everything we do is out of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of earth. So be with us, be with those that are not here this morning. Bless our families, bless the people that we love, that you love continue to move and stir our hearts, continue to shake us and stir us and, and move us into action, continue to shed light on us that we may be the light, that we may be the salt, that we may be your vessels that bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.